You are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Broad River Church. Let's get ready to listen to God's Word. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, it's good to be in the house this morning. Come on, why don't you look at somebody near you and just give them a wave, say what's up to them, let them know they're looking good. Yeah, it's a good-looking crowd in here today. I can tell you that. This is a good-looking church. I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. Um, we're going to be reading today in the Scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you want to uh, get the page ready in your Bibles or the Bibles that are provided for you, we're going to be reading there in just a few minutes. If we haven't met yet, my name is Mike McAvee. My awesome wife, Lauren, and I uh, our student pastors here at Broad River Church. We love our students, and we are so grateful that we get this opportunity to serve the next generation and pour into all the young people in the house. Come on, let's shout out to all the students repping today. If you're a Broad River student, come on, just raise your hand right now. If you're in the student, yeah. We got some students in the house today, and listen, church, I'm gonna proclaim it boldly that God is on the move in this generation. All right, these young people have hearts set on fire for the Lord. I've seen God working in them and through them. Two weeks ago today, we were on a retreat, and I'm telling you right now, if y'all could have seen it, lives changed, hearts set on fire for Jesus, people responding to the gospel. I'm talking about in this generation, stepping into calling in their life, and I hear people all the time say things like, the church is in trouble because of this generation, that if things don't change, it's not looking good, but I'm going to shut that lie down right now and let y'all know that God is raising up leaders in this generation and builders in the kingdom of God in Generation Z. Yeah, we're a church that believes in the next generation, and today is Back to School Sunday. This is a big deal for us at Broadway Church because we have a heart that's set towards the next generation and all of our teachers and administrators. And if you're a teacher in the house today, can you just raise your hand real quick? I want to give every teacher a round of applause, every administrator a round of applause that's in the building. Yeah, we got a couple out here. Thank you for faithfully serving our students. And this Sunday is special because we get a chance to speak a word over all the young people in the house today as they head back to school. And we do this every year to send us into the school year the right way by putting God's truth first in our lives. And I believe that God wants to speak a word to someone in this room today. Over the last few weeks, we've been in this series titled, Yes, You, How God Uses Unlikely People. And each week we've looked at a different biblical character that was a pretty unlikely person and how God used them in an unlikely way. In week one, Pastor Kevin spoke on John Mark. He was like this behind the scenes guy who ended up writing the gospel of Mark that we still read today, talk about making an impact in the world. Week two, Mike Norther preached on Rahab, this outside outcast who helped Israel enter into the promised land and ended up becoming an ancestor of our Lord Jesus. That's a big deal. Last week, Deborah Taylor did an amazing job talking about Gideon, this timid and unsure judge who God used to defeat the Midian army. All of these people God called 
appointed and used for a mighty purpose, even though they appeared not to be qualified or a likely person for God to use. And I want to close out this series today. I'm going to shut this thing down with another story in the Bible about how God used a very unlikely young boy named David and how he can use you too. Yes, you. God is calling everyone in this room this morning into a yes, you moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us right now, Lord, in our presence. Just pray, Lord, that you would open all of our hearts to receive your word this morning and all you have for us today. We love you, Lord. We worship you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. So have you ever faced a challenge in your life that was so big that it made you feel small? Something so big that it felt like there was no way you could make it through. Maybe it was a betrayal from a close friend or a family member. A relationship that didn't turn out the way that you expected it to or wanted it to. It could have been a difficult decision that you had to make in your life that would impact a lot of things. And that decision just seemed like such a major thing that it made you feel small. Getting into that college or maybe getting that good score on the SAT. It could have been a tough school year and you felt like you weren't going to be able to make it through because you weren't strong enough. Maybe it was a loss that you didn't see coming. It could have been that you were diagnosed with something unexpected like an illness or a sickness. I know I've faced things in my life before where I felt like I was way too small to handle it. That problem, that circumstance was too massive and I just didn't have it in me to fight. Too big for someone small like me. What in your life makes you feel small? These obstacles that we face can sometimes feel like giants compared to us. And we all can feel small when battling with a giant in our life. So my question to you this morning, church, is what is the giant you're facing in your life? For David, it was a giant named Goliath. And we're going to be reading in the book of 1 Samuel this story. And starting in verse 1, we're introduced to how the nation of Israel is in the middle of this battle with the Philistine army. And we're introduced to this giant named Goliath. Let's start by reading 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the Philistines were gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. 
He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung in between his shoulders. The shaft of the, his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Think about what it would have been like to face this giant named Goliath, to see him right in front of you. Six cubits in a span is close to nine and a half feet tall. This dude was real big, y'all. He was a monster, and he was flexing hard on Israel. He was really, really about it. He had a bronze helmet, 150 pounds of armor on, a massive sword, a spear, and a javelin. This dude wasn't playing games. This guy was the real deal enemy. He was a real obstacle for Israel. He had been trained to be the most powerful and dangerous champion from a child. They trained him up from a child to fight. I feel like I would be pretty intimidated. What about you? And look, he's challenging Israel to a throwdown where the loser would become slaves to the winner. The stakes were pretty high. Imagine how the Israelites were feeling in this moment when he, he challenged them, when he came after them. Imagine the pressure. Imagine the fear. The scripture says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were afraid of the giant and no one wanted to step out and face him. I wonder if the giant that you're facing in your life has you feeling dismayed and greatly afraid. That sin or struggle, that decision that you have to make, that habit that just started to develop, the hurt or the pain or the problem in your life. These obstacles can make us greatly afraid and dismayed. But I want to encourage someone this morning and let you know that God uses unforeseen circumstances and overwhelming obstacles to call unlikely people into amazing things. Yes, he does. He uses these circumstances that seem like giants to us, that make us feel small. He uses them to call us into amazing opportunities. And that's exactly what he does with David. Let's keep reading in this story because it just keeps getting better. Now, in verse 12, it says, Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to battle. And the names of his three sons who went into the battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, 
and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. And Jesse said to David, his son, take for your brothers an epaph of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to, your, to the camp to your brothers. Also, take these cheese, 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring them token and bring some token from them. Look, just real quick side note. David was the original Uber Eats, y'all. He was delivering cheese sandwiches to the boys in battle. Let's keep reading. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistine. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded them. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Now David comes on the scene and I want y'all to understand that David was a very, very unlikely person to be in the presence of an army. David was a shepherd boy. His responsibility was to take care of the sheep in the pasture at his father's house, to make sure the livestock were cared for, not to be on the battlefield. It's like if we were playing backyard football and picking teams, David would have been picked last. Small and scrawny, not big and tall or strong like his brothers or the other warriors. He was the least likely to succeed in fighting a battle. Playing music? Maybe. Caring for the animals? Okay. Making cheese sandwiches? Sure. But battle? No way. He was the baby boy of the family, the youngest of eight kids. He was like the runt of the litter. He would have never gotten picked first. His older brothers were stronger, taller, and bigger. Surely the right choice for a battle would have been the older brothers. But don't miss this. While his brothers were following Saul into battle, while they were pursuing the battlefield, David was taking direction from his father. While the likely to succeed was following the king into worldly things, the unlikely one was faithful and obedient to his father's request. And David's faithfulness and obedience led him to an opportunity that he would have never expected to be in, especially for a small shepherd boy. These small acts of obedience that David took would lead to a shift in the course of Israel's history. Listen, church, I'm telling y'all, if David had never said yes to the father to bring a cheese sandwich on Uber Eats to the boys in battle to serve his family, he would have never heard Goliath's voice. He would have never had the opportunity to fight. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. God uses small acts of faithfulness to make a big impact in the world. I don't want you to miss this. God used David's obedience to put him in a position that would change everything about his life. 
I think sometimes we want impact without obedience. We want success without submission. We want influence without faithfulness. But we can learn something from this story and from David because his submission to the Father's will set him up for a position to make a difference. So David may have been unlikely by worldly standards to ever be near a battlefield, but look, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. God sees the heart before the talent. He sees the faithfulness before the gifting. He sees obedience before your skills. Church, what is your cheese sandwich? What's your assignment in this season? Uh, what is that small act of obedience that God has called you to that you feel like is unworthy? That you're comparing to other people who are holding swords. See, oftentimes we like to compare our assignment to someone else's. But when we're too busy looking at what everyone else is carrying, we end up losing sight of the small thing that God has called us to be obedient in. And God has called you to your own assignment, not someone else's. He has uniquely equipped you for that assignment. David's assignment was that cheese sandwich. But God used that small, insignificant cheese sandwich to move David into a position that would make a big impact in the world. If it wasn't for his faithfulness to handle the small thing, if it wasn't for the Uber Eats delivery, David would have never been in position to fight the battle. Because the small things God can use. And because of David's trust in his father, he is put in an unlikely position to do a very unlikely thing. Let's keep reading in the story. Verse 26, it says, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Look, haters are going to hate, all right? <laughs> and David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, the king. And he sent for them. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. 
And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Listen, even his own family didn't believe in him. The king didn't believe in him. No one on this battlefield believed that David, the unlikely small shepherd boy, would be able to defeat Goliath. They, they did not believe in him at all. And I think the reason why they didn't believe in him is because they couldn't see what God was doing behind the scenes. No one ever saw the lion. No one ever saw the bear. See, God was preparing David for this specific moment. God was training David behind the scenes for this exact situation. And if you're taking notes, I want you to take this down. Also, look, God prepares in private what he wants to prove in public. I'm going to repeat that real quick because I think it's a word for someone in here. God prepares in private what he wants to prove in public. God prepared David to fight Goliath in obscurity, out of the sight of the army. Maybe you've been trying to be proven in public and God is like, no, 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 wait, slow down, slow down because I'm still preparing you for what I have for you. Look, God sees ahead. He's ahead of the game. He's not going to set you up for failure. You're looking to be promoted before your preparation, but he wants you to be prepared for what he promotes you into. That's God's protection over your life and your calling. And that's what he did with David. Even though David was just a small shepherd boy, God was preparing him in obscurity. If David had never been in the position to fight the lion and the bear, he would have never been prepared to fight Goliath. And some of us here have been fighting battles in private and wonder why they had to go through those things. But if David didn't go through the lion and the bear, the trial and the tribulation, the challenges and the setbacks of his life, he wouldn't have had the courage to face Goliath. He wouldn't have had the character to stand for what he believed in. He wouldn't have had the grit to stand up and fight. And you may have just gone through one of the most difficult seasons in your life, but God was preparing you in that season for the impact you're about to have. He was preparing you in that season for the influence that you're about to have. He was preparing you in that season for the purpose that he has called you to. God was preparing David in private for what he wanted to prove in public. He uses unlikely preparation to prove unlikely people. And he's preparing some of us in this room right now in the season of life that we're in so that one day he can prove you in public. 
The young boy who had no business being on the battlefield was proven by God. And I'm talking to the young people in the house today. This is a word specifically for y'all. Don't let anyone doubt you because of your youth. All right, they all doubted David because of his age, but they didn't know the battles that he had to go through in obscurity. They didn't know about the things that were going on behind the scenes. And David didn't even have to prove himself. He was just obedient, prepared, and positioned, and then God proved him. And some of y'all here trying real hard to prove yourselves to the world. And what God is saying is, listen, if you would just be in position and be prepared, I will take you to where I want you, and then I will prove you. And that's exactly what he does with David. Let's keep reading. It's about to get good. Verse 38 says, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it into our hand. I want you to notice that the way that everyone thought he should fight, the way that they thought he should act, what they thought he should wear and enter into the battle was not what worked for David. See, there's a, a mold that society has created that deems what is likely and unlikely to succeed. The culture around us has defined what that looks like, but the armor and the sword and the shield that worked for Saul, the king in battle, didn't work for David. Somebody needs to hear this today. That societal mold that you've been trying to fit into may not be working for you. Maybe you need to take off the armor you see someone else using. Take off trying to do what they're doing. Put down that other person's weapon and armor and start to have faith that God has uniquely designed you to fight different. Yes, you. God has uniquely designed you and equipped you to fight the giant in your life. And wearing someone else's armor is keeping you from being able to fight. 
The world around him wanted David to use a sword and a shield, and God knew that all he needed was some small stones and a slingshot. Pretty unlikely. So what has God equipped you with? What gifts has he given you? What tools do you have that he has placed at your disposal? God will use what he has equipped you with to help you defeat the giants in your life. And David would go on to strike down Goliath and defeat him. Goliath, the giant, fell and the battle was won. But it wasn't David's strength or power. Don't miss this, church. It wasn't David's power that defeated Goliath. The real power, the real difference was David's faith that the Lord would use him. David stood firm on the promises of God. David knew that the power of his God would prevail over the enemy. I think God wants someone in here to hear this today, that you can't defeat the giant in your life by yourself. You can't defeat that thing that you're going through by yourself. The real power, the real victory is in the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord and he will deliver it into our hand. But what we can do is be open to having God use us for him to work through us, for him to fight the battle, not by our strength or power, but by the spirit of the Lord. That's the real power. That's the way David defeated Goliath. His courage, his power, his victory was directly connected that God, to the faith that God would work through him. He knew that all he needed to do was show up, to be obedient, to use the gifts that God had given him. And God would do a mighty work in his life. And God did that mighty work in David's life. And this is what the Lord is speaking to someone in this room today. He's saying, if you will just give me permission to use you, if you will just let me give you the strength, if you will just let me work on your behalf, I will do a mighty work in your life. Yes, you. Come on, somebody. Listen, if he could use a small shepherd boy like David, he could use you. If he can use an outcast prostitute like Rahab, he can use you. If he can use a timid, unsure boy like Gideon, he can use you. Yes, you. The addicted, the lost, the single parent, the teacher who feels like they want to give up on their dream. Yes, you, the divorced or broken, the insecure, the middle schooler going through an identity crisis. Yes, he can use you, the anxious, the depressed, the distracted, that high schooler who stays up at night contemplating whether it's worth it or not. He can use you. Come on, church. He can use you. If he could use an addicted, depressed, insecure, angry, jailbird like me, and he can pick my whole life up, turn it all around, change everything, he can use you. Yes, you, yes, you, yes, you. He can use you. But you have to decide. You have to say yes to him. And then see what he can do through you.
See, God wants everyone in this room today to have a yes me moment because God is calling all of us to follow him in a progressively significant way. So what's your decision? Will you say yes to him? Will you let him use you? Will you receive all he has for you today? If that's you today, if you wanna say yes to God today, if you wanna say yes me, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Yes, Jesus. Yeah, he sees that hand. He sees your heart. He's calling some people right now in this moment into new things, to step into something new in their life, to step into a relationship with him in a fresh and new way. He's, he's got anointing over some people in this room right now to do amazing things in this world. His presence is here with us. And man, church, I just wanna remember though that we can only say yes to God because Jesus said yes to us. Just like David was obedient to his father to deliver that cheese sandwich, Jesus was also obedient to his father, obedient to say yes, obedient to the point of death on a cross. He said, yes, I came for you. He looked into eternity and he saw you. He saw all of us, all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the pain and the tears, the failures and the regrets. And, and he looked at that cross and, and he said, yes. And then he went up there and he died a sinner's death. He took our place. He bore our sin and nailed our shame to the cross. And he was buried. And on the third day, he rose to new life. He gave us a new standing. He called us by name. He gave us a fresh start, access to the kingdom and the power to overcome. And he wants you to know right now how much he loves you and cares for you. He knows the giant in your life and he wants to fight that battle with you on your behalf. And maybe there's some people in this room today that would say they've never taken that first step to make Jesus the leader and the ruler of their life to say yes to Jesus. I just want everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. We're gonna honor this moment right now. The presence of God is in this place and he's calling some people today to make this decision. And if you've never taken that step of faith in your life to make Jesus the leader and the ruler of your life, he's calling you today to a yes Jesus moment. If that's you this morning, no one's looking around. I'd just like to pray a prayer with you. If that's you today and you're making this decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time, can you just lift up your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place right now. Church, let's just pray together with all these people who are making this decision today and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me and the new life that I have in you. I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Turn my heart to you. I say yes to you, Jesus.
I wanna continue in prayer for everyone who raised their hand earlier to receive this yes you moment. Everyone who is saying yes me to God today. I wanna pray a fresh blessing and anointing over the calling in your life today. So church, if you would just lift up your voices and pray with me, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us on purpose and for a purpose. We thank you, Lord, that you are giving us a yes you moment and that you're calling us to follow you in a progressively significant way. We thank you, Lord, that even though we have fallen short of your glory and your grace, Lord, that you still use us, that you see through us and that you know what's in us, Lord Jesus, that you're preparing us to position us so that you can prove us in this world, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your glory. We thank you for your presence and your power that is within us. I just pray right now and unleash calling over the lives of the people in this room that receive this word today, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would open their hearts, Lord, to have this seed planted deep in their hearts, Lord Jesus, that they may be able to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations, proclaiming the goodness of God in the land of the living. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We are a church that will honor you and praise you and worship you this morning. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Church, come on, everybody, let's give it up for Jesus. Yeah, we worship you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you connected with this sermon, share it with a friend. You can find us on all social media platforms and YouTube, or visit us on Sunday in person at two locations in Norwalk and three service times. Have a great week.